The title of this message is Now More Than Ever. And as we begin a new year, and although we're two weeks into the new year, some of you may have even forgotten that you made some New Year's resolutions. Um, But most of us probably took time to think a little bit as we crossed over into a new year to reflect back uh, over the past year and to think maybe about some things that we want to do a little differently or to make some plans that uh, would affect maybe the outcome of our lives. And some things are little. Uh, Other plans that we might make might be quite substantial. Um, I know that I shared in class this morning that one of the things that we have made as a, not really a resolution, but at least uh, we've made it as something that we want to do and we're already beginning to see some um, results of it is to take time for those who live around us in the same subdivision. Uh, we have great opportunities, especially at this time of year, to get outdoors and people are doing some of the same kinds of things together. And I want to get to know Brenda McDonald because she only lives about five houses away from me. Just teasing. But, you know, <laughs> when I came to know Brenda, I said to her, uh, as we were interviewing Brenda, and she began to describe where she lived, I said, I watched them put your front door in, Brenda. <laughs> but often we don't know the people who live right around us. Um, the, the whole concept of New Year's resolutions, I'm not sure where that came from, but the idea of wanting an opportunity to maybe press that reset button or to put things back in place that may have gotten a little out of hand or to take some time to reflect and to do some things differently, um, it's a great opportunity to do that. And that may have been your experience as we come into a new term or as we begin to think about a new year. But this phrase now more than ever, is something that I just have not been able to get out of my own heart and mind. There have been things that affected me deeply in 2014 that perhaps created a new resolve within me that now, more than ever, there needed to be attention to some things. I shared earlier with you uh, at the beginning of this academic year the amazing impact of a visit to Turkey, uh, the incredible opportunity to meet three pastors who serve Christ in very adverse conditions. I told you of one of those pastors in the early days of living in Izmir, ancient Smyrna, how this particular pastor, because of his sense of call from God to serve in that area, uh, had broken some rules of conduct with respect to how he would relate to the population and to the people and to the dominant religious group in that area. And actually, as people were becoming Christians, there was a very uh, strong Muslim leader in that area who came to Christ. Later, that particular leader was assassinated. And the threat of this pastor with his picture on the city buses as a marked human being. This was shared with us a year ago. I came to meet him, to know him. And now to be able to financially support him and his family in their ministries in that place. Because I've never been so impacted by the words that came from his mouth, which were these. I said, how do you do this? How do you actually live in this kind of an environment and serve? And he said, well, we made the decision. And I make it every day. If I die today for Jesus, that's okay. I don't know anything about that kind of resolve. It fascinates, but it also appeals to me that it's an area that I want to grow in. This text that I've chosen for this 
a message this morning has so many riches in it that we will not have time to go through them all. But what struck me immediately in this text was the perspective of the Apostle Paul, his starting place. What was his perspective? What was his worldview? What's your starting place today in terms of how you receive information, how you process information, how you think about theological education, major theological viewpoints? What's your starting place when it comes to the scripture? Will you be able to be um, challenged? Will you be able to, to look at these things so that not only your starting place, but you're able to grow in some of your perspective? But there are some things about your perspective that should never, ever change. I was interested, as we come to this, Paul says, Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We know what it is to fear the Lord. And I was thinking about him and his perspective. And I want to come back to that perspective. But I want to show you some slides of people who've had some perspective. And in particular, I want us to think about for a few moments... Uh, some, some slides I want to show you from uh, Chris Hadfield, a Canadian astronaut. About 146 days that he spent in space, 2,336 orbits of the Earth, uh, racking up nearly 100 million kilometers of travel. I thought, now there is a, a frequent flyer program. <laughs> what we have seen, where we've come from, where we've been, all contribute to our world view. And each of us this morning has a world view. We have a starting place. Because we do not all see things from the same perspective or the same starting place. So let's just look at some of these slides. Let me just step aside here. As he passes the earth, these are some pictures that he has taken. And some of you may have read his recent book that was published in the last year. Or you've seen him interviewed on television. Perspective. Do you think his perspective changed yeah. about the earth, about his worldview? What would it be like to be floating across in silence through space and looking down upon the earth? There goes some jets. Wow. Just a couple. Just a couple. Some of us have flown across to Asia. We'd open our window and we can look out, not at this height, but we can see the Arctic as we came across. The same. Your perspective and mine. That was not my growing up perspective. I didn't grow up in this kind of an urban area. But some of you have. Some of you know what it is to come from a very a major urban area. What would it be like to live in that kind of a place. It does look a little bit like Hong Kong. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? People love you there. Yes. <laughs> the space of relating to each other. When we read this passage of scripture, your entry point into listening to this kind of a passage of scripture, your starting place, your worldview, is affected by your experiences. What would it be like to hear this passage of scripture if this is our starting place today? Some of us have visit, visited the slums in Nairobi. 
in Sao Paulo. Perspective. To hear the word of God. To hear the good news of Jesus. What does it look like in this starting place? That looks a little more like where I started. <laughs> or Glenn in southern New Brunswick. Who's from Prince Edward Island? A few of you. And now a couple more. Looks like Europe, Germany. Perspective. Your starting place. Your home. Your foundations. Looks like southern Nova Scotia. Southern New Brunswick. Here's a perspective. What does that look like to you? What does that mean, that perspective? The Apostle Paul had a starting place. He tells us a little bit about his own starting place in Philippians 3 and 4 as he writes to Gentile hearers having grown up. He says, as a Hebrew of Hebrews, he said, Philippians 3 and 4, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider them loss for the sake of Christ. The starting place for Paul and the finishing place for Paul was always the perspective of what it was to have had an encounter with Jesus. It was an encounter with Jesus on what we call the Damascus Road, when in his zeal he was continuing his pursuit of Christians and the persecution of Christians, because his perspective was that that was the thing to do. His zeal was misdirected and the Lord Jesus met him on the road to Damascus with the words, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he came to realize that to persecute the church was actually to harm and to persecute Christ because Christ is so closely identified with the church. But Paul had a perspective a perspective that carried him into everything he did in ministry because he encountered Jesus in his life. I'll tell you what I fear in an academic institution. What I fear in an academic institution is that we could become committed to a Christian ideology. We could become committed to a Christian theology we could become committed to a particular religious or Christian point of view with regard to the scriptures. 
Baptist people sometimes have been Father, Son, and Holy Bible. We could become committed to a particular means of the delivery of what we believe to be the gospel in our context because of our perspective. We, as we come to this passage of scripture, the perspective of the Apostle Paul was he had encountered the risen, living Jesus. If you and I do not encounter the risen, living Christ as we come to our theology or to our biblical studies or our church history or to our practice of ministry, we will lose because we're committed to it rather than to him who has the foundation for all of it. Paul said, we, from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though once we regarded Christ in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled to himself through Christ. The perspective that we have is a perspective of incarnation. Now more than ever, a former colleague of ours, no longer physically able to be with us, is Andrew McRae. I remember sitting with Andrew McRae and discussions around, because he loves Karl Barth. He loves the teaching, he loves the interaction, he loves the theological perspective, and the importance of not just resurrection, but the importance of incarnation. That the act of God in human history and bringing Christ into the world, the incarnation. Jesus didn't show up on a Friday, die, be raised on a Sunday and go to heaven. He came and lived among us. Incarnation. He touched us. The Gospel of John says, he camped a while among us. The word was made flesh. Reconciling the world to himself. Now more than ever, I would challenge any of us, any one of you and myself. I challenge myself with the person of Jesus Christ every day. I want to say to you, there are no other options. There may be religious truth, there may be all kinds of great ideas and ideologies. But now more than ever must we be committed to the one who is the express image of the invisible God. The one in whom all the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily. We are certainly free in our academic institutions to seriously engage at every point in the width of it all. But we find in him the express image of the invisible God. He is Emmanuel.